and welcome back to the A Few Good Puns podcast, storming back into your life, just like uh, Will Smith. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm joined today by Stuart Thompson and recurring guest Hamish Evans. Welcome, boys. Thanks, Stuart. It's uh, good to be back. I've got a lot of built-up frustrations from the weekend that I'm ready to get out, so I've been ready and raring to to get on there. You've got a lot of built-up frustrations from the weekend. Mate, Mate, did you you see that nice game? (laughs) I mean, my betting, my betting did well, thank oh. God, because uh, that Knights game got me going. I think I got a lot of us going. How are you, Ham? Not too bad, boys. Thanks for having me back. I'm surprised I got an invite again after my technical difficulties last time. <laughs> so uh, we, we give you the three-date rule, so you, uh, you get one more chance if you stuff up today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll, uh, we'll jump straight in. Um, big, big weekend of footy, actually. Um, as I mentioned, pretty pretty tough on uh, yourself, on myself for my punting, but uh, we sort of need to make a little disclaimer. I think first off, uh, last week we did advise everyone to start hammering on those unders, and for the weekend, I believe six of the eight over hit overs hit. What do you think, Stu? Should we uh, adjust strategy? Look, I don't know. I, I don't know if if people haven't realised by now, particularly with the NFL pods, uh, but we don't know what backing. we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, you should be backing against this. So really, you're welcome, everyone. Um, no, I I don't know. I've, I've got a couple of, I guess, talking points about this, actually. Do we think that's off the back of teams' attack is starting to click? Do we think maybe teams are getting used to the couple of small rule changes? And do we think that's they're just getting used to it after three rounds now? For or... me, I, I think watching it, um, it's... I think it might have just been a one-off thing. Like you see the teams, there's much more of an arm wrestle. There's not as flow, free-flowing footy. Like you used to watch it last year and there might be eight or nine tackles and they're just going hammer and tongs. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I rate your call that uh, there's going to be a lot of unders. Uh, and I think it was just one of those rounds where it was designed to take your money away from you. Um, I, th- I think you're right, Ham. I think last week was a bit of an anomaly like we we expected so many of the unders to hit and i think we expected it to hit also because of the weather we had shocking Mm. conditions for most of the games on the weekend especially the new south wales based games and yet even in that sharks dragons game we had an over hit quite comfortably so i think going forward that's probably going to be an anomaly um but we'll wait and see even you you just talked about the the dragons sharks game there was three sin bins in that game mm. and obviously the Mitch Barnett send-off. I can't remember off the top of my head if there were any others, but things like that, that contributes to more points as well. I think the Sharkies put two tries on the Dragons while Sewer was in, in the bin. And, I mean, the what was the scoreline? It was 6-4 to the Knights before Barnett got sent off and it blew out to something ridiculous in the end. But, yeah. Um, I really liked our Knights bet until Mitch Barnett got sent off. That, I was loving was it. Good. Uh, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about it too much because I got a lot of notes on that game that I want to get off my chest. But, for, yeah, but for I, anyone, I do agree. For anyone that missed last week, we had. I think I had the Knights uh, with a nine and a half start. I think Stu, you were. What was your bet? It was eleven and a half or something. Yeah, a, tw- a twelve and a half. I think I got that. Yeah. It was before they came right in, and you you actually got them before that line came right in and got some better odds there as well. Um, and it was trending pretty well it was it's pretty great um mitch barnett obviously has been suspended for six weeks now so he has been jetted straight out of my fantasy team um <laughs> straight straight into the the scrap heap that is the free agency market 
one thing I do want to get into sort of we are three weeks in now and we've sort of been discussing off air just about our over over unders for the year. But I want to get into sort of who we've been impressed by the most coming into this season in the first three weeks. I'll start with you, Ham. Who, if you had to pick, let's say two teams, who are you most impressed by so far? Two. That, that makes it a bit harder. I've I've looked at a few teams. Okay, and, give me um, give me give me all the teams you're impressed by. Standing out, um, Panthers. I think the fact that uh, they they haven't had Cleary and they they haven't dropped a match. They've had a few few easier games, and obviously last weekend they were almost gifted the win. But with O'Sullivan, they've still looked uh, very fluid in attack, and the the forwards they've without Fisher Harris, Moses Leoda, uh, they they were missing Liam Martin last week, and they just still seem to to plug on. So, what do you guys think with Panthers? I'll let you guys too. Yeah, I I think you nailed it there, really. I think, I mean, George, you bet on the unders um, pre-season. But <laughs> Let's keep I, think every, <laughs> I think we all expected that first few rounds. Cleary was always pegged to be back around round four, round five, maybe. And I think that was a danger area that a lot of people were talking about in those first one to four rounds um, about whether they will get the results without Cleary. Obviously, he's critically important for them and steers them around when he's playing but for them to be undefeated uh, and getting him back into the side that's massive and I mean no one expected the res- uh, the injuries that they've had as well um, that's probably been the most impressive area for me I mean I can't really take too much credit because I did bet the under but I do recall saying I think it was on the over under pod that they're kind of like the Sydney Melbourne or it might have been even the week after but they really are showing that they've just got this plug in and play mentality. Like all these troops are falling over, they're, they're getting all these injuries, and it's just next man up. And they're just they're all coming into this setup that's obviously designed by their coach. And it's just it's it's really just a next man up mentality. And they're, they're not missing a beat. They the, the young outside backs that they've brought in in Isaac Tago and uh, I think it was Talon May who scores a hat trick against the Knights on the weekend, albeit against twelve players. Uh, the depth is kind of scary. It's it's a bit of a worrying sign for the rest of the competition, especially now that Cleary's coming back. Some of those guys that have come in and been saying, Targo in particular, he looks so dangerous. And to think he wasn't, he was around the club last year, but wasn't in the side. Um, it's scary, some of the youth products they've got coming through there. Definitely. Um, I'm uh, already ruining the fact that I've given Hamish Taylor May in fantasy <laughs> draft as well. So... Um, Thanks for that. Hopefully, hopefully Biz is back nice and early from his injury. I'll tell you what, as someone that has Biz, I hope you're right. I, I have to say I'm pretty surprised that Ham's gone straight to the Panthers there and hasn't thrown up the Cowboys. Uh, they were for, uh... next on, on my list, George. <laughs> he wanted I to mean... be modest. He didn't want to jump straight to him. <laughs> I mean, how can you I... not be impressed by the Cowboys? Yeah, well, exactly right. I, I kind of resigned myself for them to be in competition for the wooden spoon. And uh, it's only early season, so I don't want to get ahead of myself. But I'm, I'm looking at them now and thinking, can they make the top eight? Like, I, I look and they're really pretty much unlucky to have been three from three. That game against the Bulldogs was theirs for the win. And um, the last probably five minutes got away from them. But otherwise, I actually am liking everything from Townsend. I know I bagged him out. <laughs> Uh, no, you're 100% right. You're 100% right. He He's just doing the little things that he needs to do. He's not overplaying his hand, but he's he's sort of steering the team around in the right way. He's letting Tom Dearden play his best football. Their defense was the worst in the competition last season. And all of a sudden, they're, you know, I think they've conceded. They conceded a try. They've conceded four tries this season. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, 50% of which have been from Herbie Farnsworth. So, <laughs> Granted, they haven't probably played elite competition yet, but I just want to read you out. We had, the, obviously, the win total for them coming into the season was seven and a half. We had uh, Stuart and Dom take the under in the preseason podcast, Hamish and myself staying away. Um, there was no there was no inkling from any of us that they were going to be two and two out of three wins for the start of the season. So congrats to the Cowboys. It's a big turnaround on their expectations, that's for sure. It should be noted, I was taking the under, but I was well under on them as well. I was <laughs> absolutely rat-bagging them. So I'm going to have to eat my words pretty early in the season, I think. It just goes, I mean, it just goes to show that sometimes these rebuilding projects, these coaches, it takes more than a season. Like, I think we were all pretty... I mean, if you recall even a couple of seasons ago, Todd Payton had a pretty good reputation sort of just coming from that job he did at the Warriors a couple of seasons ago into that Cowboys job last year. One bad year and everyone's off him all of a sudden. And now we're sort of thinking, hang on, maybe he does kind of know what he's doing here. I did touch on it before, George, but I think it's also too the the rule change. I think this year we're going to see a real real reset in um, how teams perform because it's it's a completely different game. It's it changes a little bit year to year, but this year it seems to be completely different with the way that they're slowing it down again. Those penalties inside that the opposition's half that it means that uh, that the allowing them to sort of lay on a bit longer because obviously it's a bit more of a harsh uh, penalty if you. you getting to kick down the field uh, and it's slowing yeah. the game down quite a bit no you're 100 right it's stopping so much of that momentum where teams are just getting try kick off try that we saw last season that's not happening quite as much and that's kind of was the logic going back to our previous point that Stu and i had for last week about betting unders was that we weren't seeing all this crazy attack but we'll see how it goes this week uh Stu, i want to i want to hear from you who's uh who's impressed you so far this season um Ooh, I'm gonna. I've I've had a few similar ones uh, picked, as Ham pointed out. Um, I've got to go with the Knights up until up until the result against the Panthers, and arguably halfway through that game, they looked on track to potentially get over the Panthers. They've just yeah, they've come out of the gates firing again. Uh, what they've had the Tigers and who they have round one. Um, Round one, the Knights, the Roosters. The Roosters. Roosters were pretty average. I think they started pretty average. But, um, yeah, I mean, Knights having uh, two out of three wins on the board, can't complain about that. I had them as a, as a soft under. I, w- I was too scared to um, to actually bet on them as the under going into the season. But I had we them all, as a soft we all under. <laughs> we wanted no part of that line for multiple reasons. No. Um. I just think the players they've got, they're all playing like the best versions of those players that we can expect. Um, you look at the halves in Clune and Clifford, they're both probably playing as best as you could have hoped. Um, the outside backs, which were a bit of an issue for us last year as well, killing it. Gagai is rejuvenated, um, seems impossible to tackle. Dominic Young's come along really well um, until the last week or so we looked really strong at edge forward as well. Fitzgibbon, Frizzell, Barnett all look to be playing really well. And now we're without Fitzgibbon and Barnett obviously for a while, but good signs there from the Knights. Kurt Mann, man, I like to bag out as much as anyone, but uh, he's, he's having a cracking start of the season as well. He's, he's been good in that 13 role. I think it, it was something that we, well, I think we talked about pre-season that he was going to play big minutes in that 13 role and it was going to be interesting to see how he went. Obviously, he was pretty up and down last year, probably more down than up, but 
he started the season quite well. His defense is solid. Um, he provides lots of energy, even though he's playing big minutes. I think I, I agree with you. The Knights have been impressive. I'm not too down on them, even though they lost to the Panthers. I think that was a pretty honorable loss. I don't think anyone expected them to win. We liked that bet for them to keep it close, but I don't think I was. I, and I think even without Barnett getting sent off, I, I still think the Panthers probably win that, but I think it's just a lot closer. Mm. Um, but yeah, definitely an honorable loss. And it's going to be an interesting game with them and the Sharks coming up this Friday night. I think it's a massive game for the Knights, particularly I just don't want that Barnett send-off um, and that result against the Panthers. I don't want that to be a turning point for them. Um, and I think there were some good signs after they got sent off. They still stuck with the Panthers as best they could, still put on a decent amount of points in the second half. Um, I just don't want it to be a turning point in their season. And um, if, I t- if I told you that after four weeks the Knights would be 2-2 two and two, and they'd played the Roosters, Panthers, Sharks and obviously the Tigers, which we would have expected them to win. I get the feeling most Knights fans probably would have taken that. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Sharks, that's that's going to be mine. And I know the listeners are probably uh, sick of hearing me bag on about the Sharks, but I was so impressed with the way they played, especially in pretty wet conditions against the Dragons last week. Um, a Dragons team that I'm not super down on. I, I think they're going to still be challenging around the lower half of the eight, even though they were relatively poor in this one. Uh, Nico Hines is easily the signing of the season through three weeks. He's been unbelievable, both in fantasy and just otherwise. The forward pack is doing everything that we expected it to do. They've got good young talent in the edges. Their middle with Finucane looks solid. Blake Braley's taken a, a good step forward. He looks like a different player in attack this year, and his defense has been really solid as well. Will Kennedy's quickly becoming one of the better attacking fullbacks in the comp. And yeah, I, I'm sort of starting to see that this Sharks team might be hitting that ceiling that I sort of predicted that they might be able to get to, which is a, is a round about the top four prelim finals. What do you boys reckon? For me, I um, I was just about to say that, Jordan. I think they've really impressed and they've been playing quite fluid. I think Blake Braley really has flown under the radar. Like you mentioned that he's uh, taken leaps and bounds, but I think he's he's just a completely different player to what he has been the last few years. So I'm actually excited to, to see where he ends up. But I actually had in my notes here that although they've been impressive and I think they're, they're going to be up there, I, I still don't see them as a top four contender. I think they still probably have a little bit of a way to go. Um, I mean, Hines, who knows where he'll end up. If he, he keeps improving week to week, it's a possibility. But for, for me at the moment, I think maybe top six is uh, where we can realistically expect that's, them to That's to fair finish. enough. I'll, I'll cop that because I think, I think this team still is a few players short of being a title team. I still think they're a 5-8 short. I think Moylan's not that guy for them. Uh, I, w- I had hopes that Trindle might be. He's only just come back and he's only played the one game. G looks scratchy against the Dragons. I think he knocked the ball on about four times. But I think they're a 5-8 short. I think they're maybe a front rower short as well, even though Hamlin, Ueli and Rudolph have been solid. Um, I think they still probably need one more big body in the middle to even just to come off the bench. And I think they might still be a centre short. They've sort of been plugging in Tracy and Mulatalo into centre. Um, but I think maybe that could be they're, they're sort of the areas of weakness I see for Cronulla. Even though I love Connor Tracy, I love the effort that he brings every week. He's sort of a bit undersized for that position, in my opinion. I you tend see to agree. Zipper, I just, um, I just, Talakai, the biggest center you've seen. Super Talakai <laughs> is a great edge back rower. He yeah, moved him into center for the He's playing center this week, and boy, have I, have I bet <laughs> on that basis. <laughs> 
I'll tell you what he he can he can run with the ball. I don't know how he'll go in the in the sort of in the wide open spaces one on one defending, but it'll it'll be interesting interesting to see. For me, the Sharks are just. I, I agree with both of you. I think they're just they're not quite a top four side. They just lack that little bit of polish for me. Um, they've still got a couple of, like Hines. What three games? Three games in at the Sharks, so yeah, it's early days. Once he gets a bit more experience there, it's it's definitely early days. You still got um McGinnis to come into the side properly as well, um, which could be huge. Can I? It'll be interesting to see how they integrate him. Can I? I want to. Sorry to interrupt you there. I want to ask you a question then. If they're not a top four side, who have you got in your top four at the moment? Because for me, looking through this right now, your top my top four consists of Penrith, Parramatta, the Storm, and then I think fourth is open. I think you could you could talk me into. You could talk me into the Roosters. You could talk me into the Sharks. You could talk me into mm, sort of hard to pick from there. Maybe the Knights if they keep their form on. But I think maybe the Rabbitohs if they turn things around, they've still got some good players in that squad. I think you've also got Manly that could potentially Manly, just yeah, go Manly on a hot who run. started the season pretty poor. But I mean, we saw what they did last season. I think fourth, I think fourth spot's pretty open at the moment. I think there's a sort of a defined top three, but I think that yeah. fourth spot is there yeah. for taking. We spoke about it, I think it was last week or maybe the week before, that uh, in previous seasons there's been really defined tiers of teams um, and uh, that we don't think it's going to be as much of the case this year and I think that that's illustrated there. I think the Sharkies could be that fourth side. I think those three teams are probably the most likely top three um, but then you've got probably four or five sides that could make out the rest of the top six teams and than a few teams that could scrape into the eight as well. Yep, I'll, I'll agree with that. Uh, let's jump into Hero and Villain of the Week. So, Ham Singh is your, uh, our guest for this week. Uh, I want to hear from you. Who's your Hero of the Week? Um, well, it has to be Stone, doesn't it? <laughs> that was impressive. I mean, heartbreaking for him doing his ACL, oh. but it was just in the right place at the right time. Obviously, he, he was running through and put himself there, but there's a million different places that ball could have fallen and it fall, fell straight into his arms and he ran through for the try. So I'd have to pick him out. Junior football coaches everywhere are rejoicing at that play because how many times <laughs> do you hear in footy training, like don't ball watch, keep moving. And he was the only one that kept moving and kept running towards the football. And he was he, the only one within about 20 or 30 metres. Yeah, everyone else was just, everyone else was just ball watching and it just fell. Which was lucky life. because he absolutely blew his knee out. So, oh. I mean, if there were more oh, players wow. around, he probably got stopped, but Unbelievable. Um, yeah, that was, I tell you what, that was one of the games of the season so far. That was a great game of footy. From memory, that wasn't the only try that absolutely fell in his lap, too. Didn't he get one earlier? Yep, and, uh, he sure did. Yep. yep. Yeah. Uh, Stu, hero of the week. Um, I'm surprised Ham didn't go this direction, actually. I've got uh, Tommy Dearden. Oh, good choice. Um, good choice. You got a try, three try assists, two tackle breaks, uh, two line break assists. Um, he just tore a pot. Tore apart the Broncos, I thought. Um, and a bit of an emotional game for him too. Um, up against the Bronx. Really so, disappointed that we don't we really disappointed we don't have Andrew Budden on the podcast to hear about because <laughs> I, I feel like Tom Didden is exactly what the Broncos would love to have right now. Just a, mm. a low maintenance number six that's just a good all rounder, does the little things right, um, doesn't overplay his hand. He'd be perfect next to Adam Reynolds. Meanwhile, we're sort of umming and ahhing every week about whether it's going to be Albert Kelly or Billy Walters or whoever, I think they, they sort of had their long-term six and they, they let him go to their, their biggest rival. Uh, uh, there was another um, a hero on the Cowboys' side that I almost sided with, Stu. What about Nanai? 
Three, yeah, three I literally have in my notes here. Uh, in two bombs. I could have given. I could have. I could have given this to Nano as well. Three he was tries. Doing and his things. best. Doing his best Matty Singh impression from uh, all those years ago. Just catching bombs and scoring tries. <laughs> An edge rower that can catch bombs. <laughs> I think he got a try the week before as well. So he's on four tries. Is that the most in the comp? I have to be close. Lows. I haven't got the stats in front of me. I'll tell you what. I want to see if either of you can guess who my hero of the week is. Have you had Nico Hines as your hero yet? Yeah. It's Nico Hines again. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was going to. original Jordan. How could you not? The bloke played. Unbelievable football in the wet against the Dragons. Completely controlled the game. Scored his, scored a try himself. Set up many others. Uh, I, he's getting better and better every week. Can you can you believe the guys only played three games as a halfback in first grade? It's impressive. I mean, George. he's very quickly, not only because he plays for the Sharks, but he's very quickly becoming one of the best players to watch in the comp, I think. He's definitely a smoky for the Dally M for me. Um and I, I, I would have said that a couple of rounds ago as well, um, because he just he everything goes through him in that team. Totally, he's getting so many touches of the footy a game, and I think, like we said, that number six jersey might be a slight weakness for the Sharks. But really, I'm not sure if it sometimes if it matters during the regular season with Hines playing like this. He's appearing on both sides of the ruck. He's just doing everything. It's it's very impressive, and he's very quickly proving to be worth the outlay for the Sharks. I don't think anything epitomizes the at more that statement that everything goes through Hines more than Hines ended up on what 80, 90 fantasy points this week. How many did Matt Moylan get? Minus three. Minus three. <laughs> and yeah. they, they blew out the. Wet weather is not Matt Moylan's kind of footy. Yeah. So he's, he's definitely running that team. Look, a worthy hero. Uh, I wonder how many times will he say to be, his name to be fair, To be fair to me, I did have here Ray Stone, but Hamish took him, so I had to go with my backup. That's fair. All right. Uh, I think this is going to... Look, we might even all three have the same villain of the week here, but we'll we'll hear from them nonetheless. Uh, Hamish, villain of the week. Look, I think we could probably all say the name at the same time. Barnett. Mitch Barnett. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I know we've been talking about this off air. I... I I feel for the bloke. I don't think it's as ten- intentional and as, as everyone said. Um, cool. Like myself, if you're running out to a defender, you don't, you're not watching inside players and he has his eyes somewhere else, but you can't do it. You can't elbow someone in the head and expect to, to get away with it or, or stay on the field. And like the Knights were in head by two points. As soon as he went off, uh, Panthers scored a try and the Knights held on for, for quite a while, but you could see they were just getting tired and the Panthers ended up just running over the top of them. So he definitely has to be my villain of the week. Yeah, look, I think I, I have him as villain of the week too. As far as the suspension goes, I thought the six weeks was pretty spot on personally. I think for me, best case scenario, it's careless and stupid and worst case, it's malicious, like with intent to hurt someone. Mm. Um, I... I I know the argument where he's supposedly reaching out to push away from the player. I mean, I think that's a bit of a bit of mental gymnastics to get to that point. I think the way his elbow is extended and it's flush on the jaw, it could really hurt someone. I think six weeks is fair enough. He total brain snap. I don't know what he was thinking. Like the Knights were well in that contest, uh, and he's he's really let the team down massively. Stu. Yeah, look, I had Barnett as well. I think we all expected that from me. Um, to to Ham's credit, he was. I think we all he he mentioned not long after the incident happened um, that perhaps it wasn't as malicious as it seemed. Um, 
and he did get bagged out by all us boys as well. I've had a read of the, um, I guess the it's kind of like an examination in in the judiciary of Barnett talking about the incident, and what Ham did say is pretty spot on. He was saying he was coming across the line in cover defence. I think trying to plug a hole on the edge, and last second he's just saw out of the corner of his eye he saw a purple black jersey or whatever it is that the Panthers play in and put his arm up in an attempt to kind of continue his run. He, he said they're always coached to not put it in the ref's hands in terms of obstructions and stuff like that. So he's put his arm up to try and basically tell the the runner to, to bugger off. Um, obviously he's lifted his elbow and, and caught him in the chin, which is the, the critical part. I think, I think six, six weeks is definitely fair there um i'm not convinced it was necessarily intentional but definitely reckless so it's interesting you say that because and there's evidence to suggest that you're both right there um it, and funnily enough mitch barnett not the only newcastle knights forward in the last 20 years to get done for an elbowing charge do either of you remember the clint newton on ashton sims one from years and years ago i do remember i don't remember the incident but literally, I literally getting a lengthy suspension literally ashton sims just running the ball back i think it's from a dropout and clint newton just raised elbow straight. Yeah, that was a bit more obvious. <laughs> Correct, but he got 12 weeks. So, hmm. I mean, I, I can I can cop that his was obviously far more malicious than Barnett's, but I think yeah, I think six weeks is a pretty satisfactory outcome for all parties. I don't think Barnett can have too much to complain about. I've gone through almost every emotion under the sun uh, about this incident, <laughs> uh, including a lot of frustration and anger, um, because I think the Knights were really in that game. I would have just loved to have seen how it how it turned out 13 on 13. I spent um, like a decent draft pick on him in fantasy draft too, and now he's yeah. it's just a total waste. Just- um, my only other concern as well is I think he's the villain for that game, but I think he's left the Knights a little bit short on the edge as well. Fitzgibbon's out injured. Um, Barnett's gone for six for- weeks for uh, uh, Brody Jones. Sorry. Brody Jones, big opportunity for Brody Jones. So he comes in. Yeah. Uh, I said Josh King there, but obviously he's no, off yeah, it would be nice if we saw Josh King, but uh, no, big mm. opportunity for Barry Jones. Like a lot of his games in first grade, I feel like he's been played out of position. So I'm mm. really keen to see what he can bring playing in his preferred role. There's big raps under the Knights. They're, they're pretty, they're pretty big on him. So he could, he could be a, a sneaky, uh, sneaky, good, good thing to come out of this. Just before Has we... anyone picked him up on a uh, fantasy? That's the yes, right they have. Jack Robards got him. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I was looking to get him today and no, too late. Okay. Might just uh, go through, Stu, where it all went right for you and where it all went wrong for me for the week. <laughs> yes. So uh, you can go through yours first and then I'll uh, I'll bring up the rear. Radio. Um, so I had a pretty good week on the punt, to be honest. Um, didn't finish as well as I would have liked, but out of the gates... Um, I was on Sharks giving a point and a half to the Dragons. That one got up. We both got um, that one. We both did. Thank we God we went with in. your lock of the week and not mine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I then followed up with Warriors also giving a point and a half to the Tigers. That one just scraped through. Wasn't confident m- at all watching that game, but um, fortunately the Tigers were just bad enough. That one um, That one could have gone either way. Like we'll get, yeah, in, we'll get into that recap soon, but the Tigers absolutely shit the bed in that one. 
Absolutely. Um, I then had the Knights uh, in a little two two leg multi, which needed them to uh, be within twelve and a half points and the under to hit. Um, so unfortunately, didn't get that. But I think that was tracking very very well before the Barnett send off. It was six four to the Knights. So um, the only thing that worried me with that bet, even with Barnett, like I don't know if that under was hitting. It was six four, and what, it was thirty minutes into the game when Barnett got sent off, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, thirty-fifth minute. Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, you might be, you might not be many right. points in the first half. It, it really blew out in the second half. It did. Um, so unfortunately, went down there. Um, I did get up with the Eels getting five and a half points against the Storm. Obviously, the Eels got the result in the end, which was nice. Um, so I hit on that one, and unfortunately, missed out on the Kurt Capewell anytime try. Although I will say that my Thought process was correct. Herbie Farnsworth actually got two tries down that edge. Um, and that was an area where the Broncos did go. Um, unfortunately, Kurt Capewell just didn't pull through. Well, he's, he's uh, had injuries like too. He is. I'm well aware of this because I just received him from Hamish in fantasy. So <laughs> not happy there. Um, but overall, a good week for me. Uh, up, what does that make it? Up seven, up four units for the week. And I'm back in the black. I'm at 51.4 units. So up a unit and a half roughly over the few weeks. It's a good place to be. It's a much better position than myself. All right, I'll, I'll just jump straight into mine. Obviously, hit that Sharks lock of the week with Stu. I'm very grateful for that uh, suggestion. I did have the Sharks in my own betting. I had them in my favourites multi with the Roosters and the Seagulls to win. Obviously, the Roosters losing really hurt me because I also had them in just a separate bet at minus three and a half. I'm not too sure what happened to the Chooks that way, uh, on Friday night, but nothing good. Eels I had with the, the start. I had them plus six and a half. The only thing was that uh, I also had that in a multi with the under of 37 and a half to hit. So I lost out on that had the Knights with the the nine and a half start, which again, as we've touched on, was looking good until the Mitch Barnett send off. And then I had the Sea Eagles in a same game multi. I had them minus 10 and a half with a Trebojevic try and the under 37 and a half. The turbo try and the under hitting, but uh, the Sea Eagles only winning by a point, not uh, 11 that I needed. So all in all, I went down, let's have a look, minus two, five, seven, nine, ten. So I went down eight units and I'm sitting at 40 units in the kitty. So that uh, that Roosters result really cost you. It did. It cost me five units. If that if that hit, uh, you would have got your Roosters bet up, uh, and you would have hit on your your three game multi as well. So very unfortunate there. Hard but times. That's how it goes. All right, let's go into the uh, we'll go into the recap from uh, last week. We we did touch briefly on it. Obviously, superstar Nico Hines included uh, the Dragons. To the Sharks, 36-12 losers. Pretty wet one down in, uh, I think it was down in Wollongong this game. Far out. You wouldn't, have, you wouldn't have known from the way that the Sharks are moving the ball from side to side. That it was pretty, I don't know if it's a recipe that you can repeat week on week if you're playing wet with a football, but geez, it worked well. Yeah. Um, the Sharks just handled the conditions better, didn't they? They, um, they were very expansive in... Very, very, very wet conditions. Um, special mention to Talakai, actually. I thought he, he was playing like a man possessed. Um, He's a destructive ball runner. He's a really he, good runner with the ball. He is, definitely. He came in for Teague Wilton, obviously, who was out for a week suspended. Um, and I was going to say he'd be pretty. He'd probably feel a bit hard done by losing his spot to Wilton coming back. Um, 
obviously Wilton's come back in on the edge, but Talakai's maintained a spot in the run-on side because he's been shifted to centre. I think center, that's so. more out of necessity. I just He would have probably gone back to the to the bench, but just to because the Gavalu's out injured, yeah. With mm. Tyler coming back, they've just chucked him in at centres. Mm. Boy, does I, that man, he, he runs angry. And he, he got a try off the back angry. of it. But yeah, he, he looked dangerous for me. Um, Big takeaway for me in this one was I thought the Dragons really didn't select their team according to the conditions. They were pretty small at the outside backs, especially from for coming back from from kicks from the Sharks. Outside of Ravalawa, you've got two pretty small wingers and a full, or winger and a fullback in Cody Ramsey and uh, Tyrell Sloan. And they just they made almost no metres compared to the Sharks. I think I've got the stat in front of me here. Between Sloan and Ramsey, they made 110 metres between them. Compare that to the Sharks' back three, who all cracked the 100, with Ikevalu getting nearly 200 metres. And if you look at the post-contact metres, it's even worse. I think between Sloan and Ramsey, it was something like something ridiculous, like maybe 11 or 12 post-contact metres actually made between them. So definitely too small, I think, to carry both of those guys in their 13. What do you think, Ham? Look, boys, I was just actually enjoying you recapping this match for me <laughs> because I, I didn't get to watch this one. I was duty called, so... Um, I don't really have too much that I, that I can say about this, actually. That's right. We'll edit that out of the podcast then. <laughs> <laughs> um, my Another thing that I found interesting was in the... I think, I'm think i pretty sure Cody Ramsey got dropped this week. I don't think he's actually I playing. I think so. I think so, you're right. Yeah, definitely. I think the Dragons are definitely a dry track footy team, um, particularly in those backs positions. Um, interesting, Ikevalu got... 200 meters and he was playing what, what was his injury did he do a do it did he do a string or was it something else that a knee a or an ankle question. or something I haven't even looked it up to be honest but, but I, I he got he got injured part way through the game and just he continued too, to play yeah. and scored a try after getting injured as well so some a lot of those meters were actually uh, on one leg I think I think in in the, I don't even know if it's in the modern game kind of thing because it's been that way for a long time now but it's so important for the start of your sets that your outside backs give you a good platform and mm. if you've only got one guy in Ravalau that's a de- decent size that can take a hit up from a kick return, I think you're sort of starting your set on the back foot. And that, that Dragons forward pack isn't overly big to begin with. And I mean, particularly, because, particularly because teams are going to pinpoint that so quickly as well, and they're just going to kick down the other side all the time. They're not going to kick down to, down Ravalau. Cody Ramsey is just, just going to become a favourite target. You're just going to kick to him every time absolutely. and just try and pound him into the corner. Uh, mm. and, the, and the Sharks just control that really well. Uh, interesting to see if the Dragons will be able to bounce back this week. We had the... Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this game, even though you got up on your betting stew. The Tigers 12, Warriors 16. This was a terrible game of football. I uh, hope you didn't watch this one, Ham. If this was one of the games you watched this week, you've wasted your time, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> it, it was a hard one to watch. Um, I mean, even not only the, the teams, but the refing seemed to be a bit subpar. Uh, what Luciano put the Tigers in front and they take it straight back for a 20, 20 meter tap. Don't even check. Um, the fact it, that that didn't even go up to the bunker I, is baffling. I'm not hundred percent sure it was a try, but the fact that they didn't even review it is insane because it was very close. It was absolutely. I, I'm I stoked. Can't... I'm stoked they didn't. Yeah, uh, obviously uh, on the betting on the Warriors, but uh, yeah, that has to go up to the bunker. The amount of crap that goes to the bunker and that doesn't. It's questionable. I mean, really, we've got... Uh, yeah, look, we'll get into the um, the HIA doctor that's out of the ground, what he did to Kurt Mann. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I think if I'm Michael Maguire, 
I am literally getting my team in a video session and just showing them the Panthers against the Knights with 12 men for hour on hour just repeating. <laughs> they just panicked, didn't they? They, they? they could not. They had 10 minutes at the end of the game. They just needed one try and they, they're going to win against 12 players. And Luke Brooks, who isn't young anymore, there's no reason that he shouldn't know what to do. And they just absolutely panicked and just coughed up the ball, coughed up possession, did the wrong thing, forced the pass when they shouldn't have. They I did mean, everything they shouldn't have. They got. Oh. I think they gave the ball up when they were attacking the line. They threw intercepts. They gave penalties away. It was just a concoction of It's just crap. the sign like, of a team that is just so devoid of confidence and just could not, just could not for the life of them figure out what they had to do to win. Um, definitely. Rabbitohs and Roosters was next up, which was a surprising result. Um, the Rabbits finally getting up for a first win for Jason Dimitri, 28-16. to 16. Huge for the Rabbitohs going into this weekend against Panthers to get that win on the board. Um, quite an impressive game, I thought, for them. They looked good. Cam Murray looked really good. He's just he's just the perfect forward, isn't he? He can ball play, but he's also he's got that fast play the ball that we talk about, and he can also just take hit ups as as needed. And he's bloody good looking to the basket. And he's pretty good looking bloke as well. Yeah. <laughs> he he. I just think the Rabbitohs. Him included, just they out enthused the uh, the Roosters. I thought, um, yeah, you touched on Cam Murray. I thought he was excellent. Try and two try assists, near one fifty meters, forty four tackles. Um, but yeah, I, I I know you think this is a bit of an over exaggeration, but he's got to be in the top tier players in the in the oh, competition. Oh, hang on, hang on. He's definitely in the top tier players. Or top tier of players. He's not the best player, but he's definitely up there. I said close to the best player. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you both a question though. Are we is it are we worried about the Roosters? Is it too early to overreact or are we are there concerning signs from them? Look, I think I called out offline before this game started to, to you guys about the fact that the Rabbitohs have been very poor and I think thought they were going to come out and just absolutely go hammer and tong and try and get their season back on track and they did and I think it just shocked the Roosters and they were never able to really get back into that arm wrestle. So they they look poor against the Knights. I don't think they look so bad against the Rabbitohs, but but it is concerning. They, they haven't looked like the team that they were last year in any sort of shape or form. Yeah, it's interesting you say arm wrestle there because I think that's the one thing that's sort of missing from them at the moment is the Roosters teams over the last few years that we've gotten to know love getting into that arm wrestle. And this Roosters team at the moment doesn't seem prepared to sort of roll the sleeves up and just get into that grind for 20 or 30 minutes before the game breaks open. I mean, they, they got on top of Manly pretty early and they were able to coast, but the games against the Knights and the Rabbitohs where it hasn't gone their way early, they've sort of found themselves in a bit of a hole and haven't really been able to dig out of it. What do you think, Stu? Yeah, uh, I'm trying to give a bit more, similar to him, I think I'm trying to give a bit more credit to the Rabbitohs in this game rather than being too detrimental to the Roosters. I thought the Rabbitohs bounced back well. Damien Cook was looking a bit more dangerous in this game. Um, probably his best game this season, I'd say. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to overreact too much to the Roosters. I thought Joey Manu was probably their best player. Um, he was one one guy who was up for the contest, I think. Um, but I thought they were a bit few and far between in that respect. If I'm being hypercritical... At the moment, I think the biggest thing that does concern me about the Roosters, other than the fact that they're not getting into that grind, is 
sort of don't know that the outside back, they have that much strike power in the outside backs at the moment. James Tedesco looks short of a gallop. He still looks like he's recovering from his knee injury over the offseason. Mm. As you said, Joey Manu looked good, but other than Joey Manu, he's kind of playing a bit of a lone hand at the moment. They get Suwali back soon, which, if I mean, we're not really sure that we can rely on an 18-year-old yet to fix all their problems. But there's definitely a little bit of cause for concern that minus the Morris twins and minus a few others that they've lost over the offseason, that maybe they're not going to have the sort of strike weapons that they, they have over the previous few seasons. All right. Panthers 38, Knights 20. I don't think there's too much more to add that we uh, haven't already spoken about. Um, I did want to touch on the doctor sending Kurt Mann off with a uh, HIA when he got smacked in the piece. But um, otherwise, the Knights look good. They were honourable in defeat. Penrith being three from three without Cleary to start this season with all their other injuries is phenomenal. Uh, there's, I don't think there's much Just- more to it than that. Just not a team you can go down a man against. No. Panthers are just too methodical. They're just too... They just use the overlap really well. Isaiah Yo absolutely dominant again. Another three Dalian points. He's nine from nine, so they look very dangerous. Totally. It's just the perfect way to play against 12 players. Just work down one side of the field and just keep moving the ball sideways, sideline to sideline, and eventually you'll mm. just tire them out, and you're going to have an overlap every time. Uh, yeah, there really wasn't much the Knights could do. I, I I didn't think they ever stopped trying, which is to their credit. I think maybe in seasons past, the Knights would have maybe hung their heads and they would have really got done. But I think they still were sort of giving it everything and they're hanging around. And they sort of were going for a little bit there, try for try. Did you get the, Did you get a chance to see this one here? Yeah, I um, watched, watched that game. I was quite impressed with the Knights. I thought they might be able to sort of come out and have a chance because the Panthers were missing quite a lot of their forward pack and they did look like they were, were getting over the top of them um, in, the, in the early stages. But as soon as you lose a man, as you said, Stu, the, against the Panthers, it's going to run you around the field and you, you're going to run out of steam. And I think as soon as Barnett went off, everyone sort of realised what was going to happen and it's not too different to what I expected uh, in the end result. All right. To take a to take one positive away from from the Knights as well, I think um, that right side attack looked great again. We've talked about it a few times on the pod this year. Gagai and Young um, looking really good. I think did they both? I'm not sure if Gagai got a try or not, but Dom Young definitely did early. Um, I just I think, think they're looking real dangerous down that late, side. I thought Gagai might have got a late he might have got one of the late tries. I think yeah. Um, no, I, I completely agree with you. I think really. You can make a case that outside of Nico Hines, Dan Gagai's assigning the season so far. He's been f- fantastic over the first three weeks. We might have to start putting a Nico Hines counter on you, George. Sorry. I, I, get excited. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I reckon we're probably in the double figures already. Uh, game of the weekend next. Storm 24, Eels 28. This was, this was a great game of footy. And really a huge result for the Eels considering... The injury toll just continues to mount. Obviously, they've lost Ray Stone now as well. I mean, they, they just keep finding a way to... Well, they obviously, they didn't last week, but they're finding a way to win games. And I think any game that they're winning early in the season like this is a, is a bonus for them. What do you guys think? 
I just um, was quite impressed with the eels. I thought uh, the storm were just going to come out and run over the top of them. And it actually, I don't know if you, you've got the stat line up, but it went tick for tack. Every time the storm got a try, eels pegged one back. I, I Each time they scored, I thought, well, here we go. Um, and they, they kept coming back. And I mean, they let Pappenhausen score late, which put it into, to, it did go to overtime, didn't it? Yep, Ray Stone sure scored did. in. Yep. They let Pappenhausen score late and, and tie it up. But... I thought the Eels, Eels weren't going to have a chance here, so um, I'm quite we, impressed. Stu and I both sort of liked the Eels going into this one. Um, I think I I was worried that maybe they wouldn't have the f- strike power out wide to sort of go tit for tat with the Storm. Obviously, they did. I thought, you know, even though the Storm lost, I thought Munster was outstanding again. I mean, mm. his kick to set up Meany for that try, and I think it was in the first half from halfway, was just... I think there's maybe a handful of guys in the competition that can do that, and he's one of them. Um, I don't know about you, George, going into this game, you kind of touched on Munster there, but I think one of the reasons I liked the Eels going into this game as well was uh, Harry Grant was obviously out with COVID and Wishart as well. I wasn't expecting the Chiefs to play. <laughs> I don't think um, did. And, and he turned out there and played and had a cracking game. Um, but that was one of the main reasons I liked the Eels because I thought they were going to miss one of their star hookers there. Um, but despite Cheese playing well, the Eels still got up with I don't the think results. So. either of us thought he was going to come back and play that soon. See, I was the opposite. I thought it was pretty impressive to come back that soon from a hand injury. But as, as soon as I saw him in reserves, I, I thought he was pretty much a lock. And that's probably uh, actually what I based my, my decision off. I thought Brandon will come back and steer them around. He's quite solid in the middle. Um, if he hadn't have been there, then I probably would have been on board with you guys thinking uh, that he was required a red hot chance. I, Which he still he still did come in and steered them around really well. Like it was ten days after surgery on his hand. He was still, um, still running still so hard game. on the line. Like he's yeah. that, that's a tough dude. I mean, you know, we always. You know, I don't think he gets taken super seriously sometimes because he's got that sort of party boy persona a little bit. But when it comes to those eighty minutes on the field, he's as tough as they come. I was happy. I thought Dylan Brown had another good game. That's two weeks in a row that I thought he's played quite well. Um, he's building into the season nicely. I think I think I think more so than that. I think that was a breakout game for Dylan Brown. I think I heard a few people preseason actually talking him up, saying that he was going to be in for a big year, and I didn't really. I was a bit skeptical of it, but that was a breakout game for me. I can't, I can't remember his stat line, but I think he got a three tries, two tries. Yeah, at least. it was he was very impressive, and he he just is finding the right balance next to Moses when to run, when to sort of take more of a back seat. And Moses hasn't really hit, at least statistically, hasn't really hit the ground running yet. So there's still plenty of improvement in that Eels team. And I still think that over for 13 and a half at the beginning of the season was just free money. I can't see any scenario where they're not winning more games than that. Then we go to the dear old Titans losing 22 to the Raiders 24. This was <laughs> this is almost the unlosable game going into halftime. The Titans were up 22 to 4, I think. And at one stage had led 22 nil. But I think my biggest takeaway for them is just the spine being, and we've spoken about it before, just being very, very inexperienced. And once the Raiders started to get a bit of momentum and bring the crowd back into it, they just weren't making the right plays to sort of either stem that or just go into sort of sort of safety mode and get back into a bit of a grind to slow things down. They just were making big errors and missed tackles. And yeah, very disappointing if you're a Titans fan, I think. Yeah, definitely. For me... 
I think a bit of credit needs to go to Tom Starling for the Raiders as well. For me, this game was a uh, was before Tom Starling and after Tom Starling uh, entering the game kind of experience. When he came on, he seemed to change the game for me. Um, I don't know well, whether it's he Ricky gave him a big old spray at halftime or, or what it was, but I can't were... figure out why he started from the bench. I'm not sure. They started frawly. He's a small bloke. Halftime. They probably um, want to sort of let the attack quieten down a bit. Don't want him tackling too much so he can come on and run around the tired tired players. But I, I, for me, I think he can start and play yeah, play eighty minutes if he needs to. I mean, is I he a Damien we... Cook mold kind of kind of hooker for you? Is that because he runs he fast out of dummy as, half? As much speed. basically, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sorry, sorry. What was that, Ham? I just don't think he has the speed. He's a bit more nuggety than uh, Cook, and that's really where <laughs> Cook really tears to more party, of a cheese, gets down and jumps. <laughs> In between. I think Raiders fans would be expecting him to be close to an 80-minute player. I think he'd be sort of – it'd be interesting to see this week, and I'm sure he'll start this week, and there's, there's no doubt about that. But, mm. yeah, the Raiders have just become so hard to predict. They're just week to week. They're up and down. I mean, we we saw probably the best of them in round one. They beat the Sharks. And then round two, I mean, they're still on the list with Ricky Stewart, not to bet on after that performance against the Cowboys. And then they come out looking shocking in the first half and come back and win. So I really don't know what to think of the Raiders. I think they're going to be a bit of a stay away for the foreseeable future until they develop some sort of trend that we can trust. Um, Definitely. The the one trend that I'm starting to notice, and I've actually uh, placed my bet in that game based on this, is uh, are they just a can-play-in-Canberra kind of team and can't play outside of Canberra? Their two wins this season have been in Canberra, and last week they were horrible. Um, they were up in Townsville. Was it in Townsville, the game? Yeah, it was in Townsville. Um, so maybe they just can't play outside of Canberra. It did used to be a, a common common place that mm. they would win like 80% of their matches in Canberra and never play anywhere else. So it, it's not that too far off it. As far as the Titans go, I think I think most of us took them for the under in the preseason. I still think that's going to play out. I, I, I've really mm. liked what they've seen at times from them this season. I thought in the first half Sexton was excellent. Uh, they have lost Jaden Campbell to injury, so Osaka will come in for them. We'll talk more about that in the week four preview, but yeah, they've got they've got some parts that are sort of coming together that I really like, but I think they're still just a year or two away. Yeah, I agree. I like watching them. Um, but Definitely, we've, we've, we've spoken we've we've spoken about it on end that they just don't have the experience through the spine there to to see out those close games. They can't grind out results like some other teams do. So ultimately, that's what matters at the end of the season. Speaking of results, Cowboys 38, Broncos 12. I don't think anyone saw this coming. <laughs> super, super impressive Cowboys performance for the second week in a row. Um, you must be riding high after this one, Hamish. I loved it. I, <laughs> I thought if, if they come out and played their best footy, they, they'd be in with a chance, but I didn't expect them to just absolutely blow them away. The, the Broncos probably could have uh, played a little bit better, but... The Cowboys were just, everything was going going right for them. As we touched on before, Townsend was steering them around. Even Dearden um, had a had a great great game. Nanai, hat trick. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. It was just the, the whole team had a had a performance. And in those sorts of days, it's it's not uh, rare that, or not likely that you're going to lose. 
No. Uh, I got a question for you. Going into this season, did you would you have sort of guessed that Tom Dearden would have been your number six, or would you have thought it would be Scott Drinkwater? Uh, from preseason uh, and watching the trials, I was expecting it to be Tom Dearden. Yeah. I I didn't think. Um, he, I thought it would be one of those things where they give him a few matches. If he doesn't perform, then it could be a merry-go-round. But I think he, he started off pretty well, and I, I don't see them changing it uh, anytime soon. No, he, he's bought himself an extra month at least. Like he, he's, he's keeping Drinkwater out of the team, and there's, they haven't really got a spot for Drinkwater at the moment. Um, so it would be interesting to see what they do going forward. The Cowboys' pack has been huge, is something that I noticed. Uh, they're currently leading the NRL in metres per game. I mean, any pack that's got a guy like Tamalolo and it should be more than competitive. But I think they're sort of starting to find the right balance with him. I, I really enjoyed the try that he actually set up. Uh, and it was your young, the young forward, and I can't think of his name, Ham, you'll probably be able to tell me, that he set up with the pass through the line there. But um, the fact that he's actually running to the line and looking for that just before Gilbert? the line pass. Gil- I think it was Gilbert, yeah. The fact that he's even looking for that pass, that's something we hadn't really seen in Tamalolo's game until the really now uh, most of the time he's just been used as a battering ram not so much as a ball player if they can unlock that side of his game that's going to totally change what they can do in attacking sense at least um for the broncos i think they were just out enthused outplayed in every area it was sort of the game that we would have expected them to have i guess with not rating kevin walters too much as a coach but we sort of hadn't really seen any evidence of it in the first two weeks Drew, was this was this a surprising result for you Look, obviously a surprising result, but I think I think we mentioned on the pod last week as well that this was a trap game for the Broncos, and they got trapped again. Um, it's, what, two or three traps now so far this season. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I don't have much to say about the Broncos, to be honest. Um, Ham, I want to revisit, uh, I think, preseason. Um, we were talking about Val Holmes on the pod, actually, the last time you were on. What were your thoughts on him? I bagged him. I said he wasn't a first grader. He, he hasn't looked good since he came back from the NFL. Uh, do you want me to eat my words? That wasn't wrong. Well, he, he's been very impressive. I, I, I think if you'll allow me to jump in there for a second, I think the main thing was for Val Holmes. Like, we all know how talented, talented he is. And I think I, I sort of touched on it in the, in the preseason podcast. It was about I think the goodwill was starting to run out from Cowboys fans like I think and you're a Cowboys fan yourself you could see how frustrating it was for him to with the talent that he has not to be performing week after week but I think putting him into the centers allows him to be sort of maybe a little and it's not even that he just plays center if you if you watch the game he's actually roaming all around the field too and getting touches in a lot of different areas I think just allowing him to have that freedom to get involved more in the in the Cowboys attack is really uh it's really freeing him up and uh, he looks like he's playing with a lot of weight off his shoulders at the moment. All right. Seagulls 13, Bulldogs 12. I don't think there was too much to write home about on this this one. The Seagulls get a much-needed win. The, as far as the Bulldogs go, I, I think this season they've been a lot more competitive. They've been Their defense has been sort of keeping them in games more. I still don't like what I'm seeing from them in attack. I think they're pretty one-dimensional and they don't seem to have a, a whole lot. Um, but they are a lot more competitive than they were last season. I think they're, they're far clear of where the Tigers are, and that's sort of where I had them penciled in this season. Uh, do you boys have any thoughts on the Bulldogs going forward? I was going to say, obviously, they've been great defensively, but yeah, frustrating 
attacking wise, like you were saying, I just they're, they're painful to watch at times. Yeah, it's it's interesting, Ham. Like I, I reckon it's, a lot of it's to do with their halves combination. Like I don't think they have found the right combination yet. They still they Avarillo was out, so they brought in uh, the young fella. I think it was a uh, Wakeman who come in for mm. to play. I don't, I don't I don't know what the right combination is. I, I sort of am of the thinking that Flanagan coming into the seven jersey will free up Burton to be more of that ball runner that he can be. Do you have a reading on their halves or where it can sort of be fixed up for the dogs? For me, I don't even really know if it starts with the halves. Like, obviously, they're two young blokes and they're a bit of rookies. But I watched the game and they're having four hit-ups. They're having four settlers on the line before they even start to attack. So when it's tackle four and you're then trying to sort of scamper together some some attack and, and put something on and then you've got to kick the next ball, it just doesn't really leave them with much to play. You're not think, testing the defence. No, you need to have one or two settlers and then try and move at one side and then go back the other or something. They're just wasting tackles, and that's what I meant by frustrating. You watch them and you think, all right, they've made a break or one of the forwards has done a nice hit-up. Now's a chance to move it, and there's just another hit-up and then another. It's just I don't know what else to say, really. So is that a, is that a Barrett problem? Is that a coach problem? I, I think it does come from the coach, yeah, because it's, it's in their attacking sets. It's when they're structured on the line. They're 10 out and they're having three settlers. They're not even, the, the dummy half's not even looking to move it to the to the side. So I think it comes from the coach. He's got to say, look, we, we need to get set up earlier and we need to do our plays. We can't just wait to the fourth tackle and hope that something happens. Yeah, that's totally right. Like you, you look at the good teams when they do have that settler and they don't even use it as a settler. And I think a really good example I picked up from, I think it was the Rabbitohs game and they use it. They use Cam Murray for this all the time because he's got such a quick play of the ball. But if you're going to have that settler, which is just running at the post, it's sort of the player submitting to the tackle early and just bang, getting that quick play of the ball, bouncing straight back up. And then that's when you put on your plays when the line's sort of retreating. When and the line's not to... set, yeah. Exactly. That's, that's how you score points in, in footy these days. Like teams are so fit and so fast and so smart defensively. You've got to sort of try and create these little half openings. And that's, that's what the best teams do. The dogs, outside of a couple of their forwards, like, I mean, Tavita Pangai has even put the offload away this season. I'm not sure why. Like, you, you recruit this guy to the club who's one of the best offloaders in the game. Granted, he doesn't really look to be in good shape at the moment, but he's put his offload away. And what are you really going to get from him if you're not telling him to do the best part of his game, which is to attract multiple defenders and, you know, set blokes th- free through the line? I mean, I don't want to harp on about Max King, obviously, because I haven't been fantasy, but he's, <laughs> he's, he's someone that always looks for an offload if he can get one, get one free. I mean, I don't really see where this Bulldogs team is going to score points unless they change things. They've definitely got the talent to do it. There's there's definitely some talent in that roster that would be able to score points, but no one's going to score points playing the way that they do. All right, uh, I think that'll do us for the recaps. We'll uh, we'll go into our preview of round four. This is where we're expecting you to uh, come through and be MVP, Ham, seeing as you <laughs> watched too many games last week. Um, first game is tomorrow night. We've got the Titans and the Tigers crazy line here, crazy line, crazy numbers here. You've got the Titans favoured $1.25 and the Tigers $4. The Lions 11.5 favoured to the Titans and the total for points, excuse me, is 42.5. Stu, I'll throw to you first. What uh, what are your thoughts early here? A um, few interesting uh, ins and outs actually in this game. Asako has uh, been given the nod at fullback. Jaden Campbell's injured, I believe. Um, and Corey Thompson's also back for the Titans. Um Few few random ins and outs for the Tigers. Jimmy the Jet, Ken Mamolo, Big Ken, uh, is back as well. Yeah, into I picked a him up in fantasy. He's come in. Have you? 
Yeah, I, I, I very very surprised that. to hear Bowen dropped Big Ken. He's a big fan of Big Ken. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, we've spoke about it numerous times on the pod this year. The Titans, they can attack. Gee whiz, they've, they've got a bit of attack in them. Um, remains to be seen whether they can grind out a result. And this is a massive opportunity for them, I think, to try and get some runs on the board um, against the Tigers, a Tigers team that's been pretty subpar this year um what are your thoughts sam i think you sort of touched on it both of them have haven't been very impressive so far and i think it's going to be a very scrappy game but i i think that they'll probably both come out having had a bit of a rock up rocket under them and i think it'll probably translate to some good defense i know that both the teams can score some tries but i actually think it'll be a low scoring game so if i was betting i'd probably be inclined to go for the unders for this game but i'm probably gonna uh, steer clear of it because uh, i just don't have any confidence in the tigers who knows what they're they're going to come out with they might come out and play well or they might come out and get done by 40 so boy am i glad to hear you say that ham because that's actually how i've gone with my betting i'm i'm on the under here um and I originally had it as an over and I've changed it because uh, I just said before, I like the Titans attacking wise, not so much defensively. And I was thinking, yeah, this is, this is prime for an over. But the reason I don't like the over here is I don't see the Tigers scoring points or, or not many, at least the Tigers um, this year, after three rounds, they're 14th in points scored 13th for set completions, 14th for run meters, 14th for post-contact meters and they're second in terms of most errors as well. They just can't do anything with the ball. That's Look, I completely agree with you. I, I, I do think the weather is going to play a big part. It'll be interesting to see what kind of conditions we get. I think it's up on the Gold Coast, but obviously the east coast of Australia has been copying an absolute hiding in terms of rain at the moment. So if it's wet weather, I can definitely see that underhitting. I, look, if the Tigers have anything to give this season, they have to show it this week. It has to be this week. Like they can't go and lose another game, especially to a team that I think if you, I think if you're the Tigers, you sort of see the Titans as a team that's around you. This is the this is the kind of game that you sort of aim up for and look to win. Obviously, going into the the games against the top of the table, it's pretty hard for them. They they sort of know going in, they're not going to have much of a chance. But I think the Tigers will fancy themselves for a chance here. So I ha- that line's ridiculous to me. I, I I can't give the Titans an eleven and a half favorite there so I've, I've just jumped on that tigers line i've given them a chance at plus 11 and a half just to keep it close i don't they don't even have to win they just got to keep it within within well just under two converted tries which i think they can and yeah just show me something tigers this is i'm i'm as desperate <laughs> as you are for a win i've uh i've i've chucked this as my um my bit of a long shot game straight off the bat here um I just said before, I, I like the under, so I've taken that in the same game multi. I think the Titans still win this game. I do agree with you, George. I think that line is a lot, particularly because I think there won't be heaps of points. I think 11.5, the, the Tigers might keep it close. Um, I think the Titans will edge it out, so I've kept them as a, the the win. And I've um, also taken Jermaine Asako as a debut anytime try scorer. I like it. I, it, look, it could very easily happen. Jermaine Osaka is a very talented player. At the very least, he's going to add at least a little bit more experience to that spine, which I don't think is going to be a bad thing for the Titans this week. Ham, do you have any bets going for this one? 
No, I can't confidently go on this one. It's, a... <laughs> it's, I, just, probably, it's too hard. That's probably the best bet. That's probably the best bet and most uh, the smartest bet you can have on this game. I thought Not so like long us. and hard about whether I should bet on this one, and I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to throw. I'm, I'm probably setting fire to my units here, but it's just it's happening. I believe you texted me yesterday, Jordan, saying, "Am I crazy for <laughs> for liking the look of that Tigers line?" And my response was, "Yes." I, I just left it at that. The only bets I've won this year so far are the bets that haven't made sense. So I just, why not? We'll <laughs> just keep going for it. Um, we'll move on to the Sharks and Knights, which is a Friday night, 6 o'clock game. Sharks $1.39, Knights $3, Lions 7.5 favoured to the Sharks, and the to- total is 38.5. This is the game where I sort of don't really mind who wins. I'll be, yeah. I'll be okay with whoever wins this one. I think I'm leaning towards the Sharks to win this one, though. I think it, I think it will be close. Um, it's a little little bit of a little bit of trap game vibes here for the Sharks. Ham, what are you, what are your thoughts going into this one? Do you do you think the Knights can get the job done here? I'm the same with you, George. So I can't really separate them. Uh, I don't know who who's going to come out on top. I just think it'll be a good game to watch. I'm thinking potentially being at Shark Park that might be enough to to get the Sharks over the top of it. Um, or, or maybe Ponga comes out and has a piece of magic. It's just 50-50 for me. We expect Ponga back this week, right? I mean, we sort of thought he was going to be back for that Panthers game, but we expect he'll be back. I think he'll be back. I yes. hope to God that he's back. He's in my fantasy team, <laughs> and I don't have much depth at wing fullback, so I need him. It's pretty juicy odds if you think it's going to be close for the Knights, especially with that line. Yeah, definitely. I've, um, I've got this pegged as a bit of a... a prove yourself kind of game for the Knights. I think the Knights are still being disrespected a little bit for me. I think $3 odds on the Knights against the Sharkies, uh, arguably Knights could have been in a different universe, three from three, um, going into this game. And seven and a half point line is still a bit too much for me. Um, bit of a battle of the inform halves in Nico Hines and Jay Clifford. Obviously both had cracking starts to the season. Um, and a little bit of a reshuffle for the Sharks as well. Teague Wilton's back in and Talakai's moved into the centres for Connor Tracy, who's out. Um, Ronaldo is back in for Ikevalu as well. So a little bit of a reshuffle in um, the Sharks' edges. So I've got a couple of bets on this one. I like the Knights with that that point head start. Seven and a half, it's just too many. In my opinion, I think they deserve a bit more respect than that. So I've just chucked two units straight on that line. Um, and I've also gone with Dane Gagai as an anytime try scorer as a separate bet. Um, Knights have scored 54% of their tries down that right edge this year um, and just look really good down that edge, particularly Dane Gagai. And um, the main reason I've gone with this is I think they might target Talakai on that, in that left center role. Um, obviously not a out and out center. He's been having a good season, but potentially a, a bit of weakness to exploit there for the Knights. It's a it's a good call because we've sort of spoken about it before that center is the hardest position to defend on the field. You're sort of left on your own out there. You're, you're defending in a lot more space than you are in the rest of the field most often. Um, and really, Dangagai is proving to be as hard to tackle as anyone in the competition right now. I think Talakai won't have any problem with strength tackling him, but it will be if Dan Gago can get isolated on him in space. I don't know if Sifa Talakai is going to have the speed or the agility to go with him. 
there's going to be a good test for this new Cronulla defence under Craig Fitzgibbon to see if they can contain him. I think that's a great pick for any time try scorer. It's pretty good odds too at $3.30. Um, mm. Definitely, yeah. I, I've, I've gotten a bet on this game. I think the Sharks will get the chocolates. I've got them, but I think it'll be close. So I've got them 1-12. to um, And I've also just chucked on a, a Bubba Kennedy try. So I've, I've just chucked the unit on that, and that's paying just under $7. So... That would be really nice if that could happen and I could get back into winning ways. That would be really, uh, really very nice and good. You're a big fan of uh, Bill Kennedy, aren't you? <laughs> I thought you were going to say Bill Clinton, but I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I think, he's, I think he's a really solid fullback. He's sort of come into first grade with not a, not a huge reputation or anything and he's, he's developing really well. He's, I think he's, he's one of the better ball-playing fullbacks in the competition. I think he's, he sort of does leave a little bit to be desired at times defensively. But, yeah, I think attacking-wise, he's, he's really turning into an excellent fullback. You don't have any bets on this one, Ham? No, not this one. Next match, I do. Do we want to get into to reviewing the Panthers-Rabbits game? Let's do it. Panthers, $1.37. Rabbitohs, $3.10. Interesting odds, though. So it's, it's a hard one to sort of gauge with Cleary coming back. The line is 7.5 to the Panthers, and the total points is 38.5. Uh, I every chance that this is the this is probably the biggest game of the weekend, especially with Cleary coming back. That seems like a big deal. Um, I am starting to feel like with every week my under bet for the Panthers is just looking worse and worse. But I think I think you can find some value on the on the Rabbitohs. I think they've sort of, they run it close with Melbourne and they've beaten the Bruces two pretty hard games. We probably haven't spoken enough about how hard a start to the season it's been for the Rabbitohs. What do you what do you got here, Ham? Let's see those bets. Well, exactly as you just said, I think the, the Rabbits are actually starting to warm to their season. And I sort of touched on it earlier, but the Panthers are still without a, a large chunk of their forward pack. I know Fisher-Harris and, and Martin named in reserves, but if they don't play and then you've still got Leota out, I think the the Rabbitohs forwards are so agile they they can get the ball rolling pr- pretty pretty easy um I'm probably going against the grain with most people here but I think that the Rabbits are a good line at uh, seven and a half and I, I think it's going to be a low scoring game I, I don't see uh that either team coming out and sort of putting on seven or eight tries or something like that so I actually like the 38.5 line this is going to be another weather-affected game for sure. I, I like where your head's at here, Ham. I've, I've stayed away from this game personally, but I think there's a bit of value for the Bunnies um, at that 7.5-point line. I think the Bunnies, they're, they're starting to... I think they're starting to to hit their straps a little bit more. Um, young Elias in the halves, I think he's starting to show some signs that he might be all right. He's obviously still really fresh um, and a bit underdone for me, but he's starting to to take the line on a little bit more and get close to the line before popping those passes away. Um, and we all know the Bunnies have got some great weapons in Murray, Latrell, Damien Cook. So definitely a bit of value there for the Rabbitohs. Bit of a, a bit of a trap one with Panthers uh, getting Nate Cleary back as well. I think everyone's expecting that he's just going to come in and hit his stride and take off where he left off last year. But, I mean... It remains to be seen, I suppose. I think that's the biggest argument in the Rabbitohs' favour is that can we expect Nathan Cleary just to come back in and dominate like he did last season and the season before that? It's it's a hard call. Like it's a, it's hard for anyone just to come in after a big layoff. He's had a whole off season and then missing the first three weeks. If anyone can do it, it's probably going to be Nathan Cleary, though. I I take all your points on the Rabbitohs, and I'm not 
saying it's not going to be a close game. And I think the Lion actually might be a good bet, but I've still got the Panthers to win. And I, I haven't chucked anything on them just outright, but I've, I've put them in my favourites multi for the week. So I've, I've just chucked on the Panthers, Eels and Storm just to win. And that's uh, I've chucked three units on that at $2.22. So hopefully my favourites multi can get up this week because uh, your boy needs it. <laughs> <laughs> I like those vibes. It's all about the vibes. All right. Uh, Warriors, $2.50. Broncos, $1.54. Line four and a half, total 42 and a half. Sean Johnson is named in the reserves. I don't think he will play though. I think uh, we spoke about Cheese being named in the reserves last week and then playing. I think you, Sean Johnson's the kind of player you need to wrap in cotton wool a little bit more. They Bellamy spoke a bit about Cheese coming back last week and he said that was out of necessity as well. Yeah, yeah. If, if they had Harry Green available, Cheese wasn't playing. So mm. I think, yeah, I think you wrap Sean Johnson up a bit here. Definitely. Um, Interesting that this game is a Warriors home game played in Redcliffe. You'd think there'll be a lot more Broncos fans than Warriors fans there. Mm. Uh, you'd think the Broncos do need a bit of a bounce back here. This will, I think this would really set their season back if they couldn't get the job done here against the Warriors. To go with that 2-0 and start and then all of a sudden be 2-2 two and two would be a pretty disappointing last couple of weeks for them. Do you have any, any bets on this one, boys? I think looking at that line, um, the 4.5, I think this is mainly as a reaction from that Cowboys game. I, I don't really have any faith in the Warriors at all. So I think that 4.5 for the Broncos is great odds. Uh, so I picked that up, but I'm just not confident on the points. 42.5, it's quite a lot. I can't see there being 43 points in the game. So I went with an exotic and I reckon Cobo on the wing to dive over. <laughs> I like young Cobo. He looks dangerous when he's got the ball. He got manhandled last week, but attacking wise, he's he's looking good. Um, you both mentioned it. Broncos need to bounce back here. They they got to win this after honestly an embarrassing display last week. Um, this is this is a game they've got to have circled on their calendar as a must win. Surely, if the Broncos lose, if the Broncos lose this one, there's going to be some there's going to be some uncomfortable conversations in the post game press conference for Kevin Walters. I think so. Like, especially after, like, these are two games that they would have had circled that they would have expected to win the last two weeks. And if you lose both of them, that, that's not good signs. Even even though they had such a good opening two weeks winning those games. Um, I think Reese Walsh being key for the Warriors, I think anything good that they're going to do is going to go through him. As far mm. as, but as far as betting goes, I, I've stayed away from this one. I'm the same, George. Uh, I've stayed clear. I have, I think the Broncos do get the result here, but um, we don't know what to expect from the Warriors, really. Reese Walsh on his day can be electric, and Josh Curran is having an absolute cracker of a season so far. So they've got a few good weapons there. Um, Warriors have been good to me so far this year in in my betting, but yeah, I'm, I'm staying away. All right, Manly versus the Raiders. Manly $1.45, Raiders two seventy five. Lions 7.5, and total points 40.5. Um, Manly naming the exact same squad as they did last week. Raiders bring back a couple. I think they bring back Kotrick. Um, I, this is a stay away from me just because of the odds. I, I'm leaning towards Manly winning this one. I think this is where I expect Manly to go back into flat track bully mode and just get the job done and get it done comfortably. But the Raiders are so up and down, I don't know if I can trust that enough. Um, you, you might might be something to your point, Ham, about 
Raiders being two different teams, one at home and one away from home. So that would suggest that we should be getting onto the onto the Sea Eagles here. As have you reflected that in any of your bets? I didn't didn't bet on this one. It's just I think we touched on it earlier. The Raiders are just a no go. You you don't know what what's going to come from them. I know you just said they're they're playing at Manly, um, but I. I can't see anything, as you said, in these odds that is appealing to me. The only thing that, that sort of comes to my mind is that I think this is going to be a big scoring match. I think both teams have the attacking power and they're sort of starting to find their stride. Um, and the, neither of them are great in defence, but even just putting on the, the total points over under, there's, there's not really much benefit to it. I think what you said before about the, the Raiders not being able to play away from home and this being a bit of a bit of a bounce back game for Manly. I've got Manly blowing out the Raiders here. I think I think this is the game where they have to really show what they have um, in that back line in terms of weapons. Um, seven and a half. I've taken Manly giving seven and a half points, so I think they'll get it done by more than a couple of tries, to be honest. Um, Raiders haven't been good away from home. Um yeah, I, I just think the Manly have to come out firing here. Manly um, win this game and then we sort of forget about those opening few weeks of the season where they didn't look so good. All of a sudden they're 2-2. Two and two. I mean, they're in an okay spot going forward. They've been they've been really underwhelming the first three weeks, but I think a win here could would sort of uh, paper over a lot of that. I think they've got the monkey off their back a little bit. I don't know if you saw the uh, post-match press conference, or no, not a press conference, post-match interview with the Travojevic brothers. And Jake Travojevic said about four times that he was just relieved to get the win. Yeah. Um, so I think um, in term, emotionally, I think that win was important for them. And I'm hoping getting that monkey off their back a little bit now, I think they hit their straps a little bit more. Um, I, I think there's a bit of value in in picking up try scorers for Manly as well. I think they'll they'll put a few points on. Um, and I just the Raiders are just too hit and miss for me. I think they're too much of they're they're very much a momentum team. If if they're in the ascendancy they look good, but when they're bad, they're bad. Um, so Yeah, for sure. I, I, I agree. I, they'd be very frustrating as a Raiders fan because they've got a lot of talent on paper, but they're not really putting it to the correct use at the moment. We'll move on to uh, what I'm sure Hamish has got circled on his calendar. I think this is a Saturday night game, Cowboys and Roosters. Cowboys $2.75 outsiders against the Roosters, $1.45. Roosters favoured 6.5 and, and the total points is 40 and a half. I've got to throw straight to you on this one, Ham. What are you? What do we got going on? Uh, I think it'll be a good watch, but I, I'm... Even though the Cowboys have come out and been impressive, I just can't put them past the Roosters. And you know, I don't want to bet on my against my team. So I, I've had a look, and I think I've just got to stay away from this one. I reckon it'll actually be be quite a close match, and it probably reflects that in the line. Um, but yeah, I'm not betting against the I Cowboys. Was, I was so close to pulling the trigger on betting that Cowboys line. I thought about it for like three days. I kept looking at it, and I was like, oh, I really. It's in Townsville. The Roosters have been pretty underdone. But then I thought, do I still think the Roosters are a good team? And if I still think the Roosters are a good team, then I've got to expect them to bounce back this week. And I think they will. But I don't think it's going to be easy for them. I, I can definitely see this game being close, like you say. I think the bet here is the under in points total. I think that under 40.5 is something that should be looked at. I haven't bet it personally, but the Cowboys have been pretty solid defensively throughout the first 
three games of the season. The Roosters historically have been a very good defensive team. So I definitely can see this game being tight and low scoring. Stu, have you got any reads on this one? Yeah, I'm just going to ditto basically what you've just said. Um, I think it's going to be a defensive game. Um, And you you touched on the point that uh, you're very close to taking that line, six and a half point line for the Cowboys. I I was pretty much there as well. So I've actually just taken the line out of touch. I've taken that to eight and a half and taken the Cowboys with those points. I think it's going to be a low scoring game. I think you've got to give a bit of respect to the Cowboys and their defensive effort. They've only conceded four tries all season. Um, yep. And this this Roosters team hasn't been gelling. Um, it's definitely a prove-it game for them. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they did get the result. It's in Townsville, and defensively, Cowboys have looked very good. I just like them getting a few points um, head start. I think they'll keep it close at least. Yeah, look, I, I think uh, the only thing that stopped me from joining you there is the fact that if we look at who the Cowboys have played, I'm not sure they've played anyone good yet. But I can definitely I can definitely see that it being a close game if the Cowboys are are starting to sort of uh, elevate themselves from the bottom of the ladder. I think this is definitely a game that they could keep close. All right, uh, we're getting there, boys. Only a couple to go. Uh, we move on to this. This is going to be my lock of the week here in a second. Uh, we've got the Storm and the Bulldogs. So Storm a dollar twenty, Bulldogs four dollars fifty, line fourteen and a half, and the total forty and a half. Harry Grant's back for the Storm, which is a huge in. Uh, Bulldogs have lost their front rower Hetherington for the season, so Corey Waddell comes in. Um, <laughs> I noticed that Stu's got in the notes here that Nelson Asafa Solomona somehow escaped suspension. That was we didn't even touch on that in the um, recap. That was absolutely ridiculous how he didn't even get a penalty against him for that. Um, however. I, I know the Bulldogs have been more competitive this season, but I see this as a huge bounce-back week for the Storm after that loss to the Eels and they're at home. I just don't think the Dogs are going to have enough to keep this close. Mate, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I think the Storm, similar to Manly, I think this is a, they need to bounce back after that loss to the Eels and I think they're going to do it. They've got key, key players back. You touched on Harry Grant, but uh, Coates is also back, I think. Who I think has been a sneaky good pickup for for the Storm um, to come in for Adokar. So, um, yeah, I just see the Storm being too strong here. What do you think, Ham? Uh, I've picked the Storm uh, in this match too, but I I didn't go with the line. I think that it could be closer than what people think. I actually think it again. This one might be a bit of a, a low scoring game. I think it'll be unders for the forty point five. The the Bulldogs have actually been defending surprisingly well, and then you look on the other side of the coin and they just can't attack. Um, that there's not many points that are coming from them. So if they can come out and hold the Storm, um, I, I don't see it being a high-scoring game. I just don't know that the Storm are going to run out the, that big lead. So I went with Storm and the unders. My only counter to that, Ham, is, again, just going back to the strength of schedule that the teams have played, I think if we look at who the Dogs have played, like obviously they, they did keep the Cowboys to four points, but then otherwise they've played the Broncos and the Seagulls. Now, obviously you can say the Seagulls are a good attacking team and I'd agree with you, but that was in ridiculous torrential rain. So I don't think we can expect teams to have scored crazy high amounts of points there. Um, however, that being said, there's every chance that the Dogs could keep this close. I just think 
I just think there's a, there's a chance that the Storm is going to roll on here and put on three tries in, in a 10-minute stretch and sort of blow this game open early and then just sort of coast from there. And uh, Trent Barrett all of a sudden goes to one and three and isn't the super coach he thinks he is. Because <laughs> you're holding some salt over that Max King. <laughs> I just, no, look, I actually, like I said earlier, I actually um, really don't mind some of the some of the pieces on that dog's roster. It's just like we sort of touched on before, it's really frustrating to watch how sort of stale their attack is. And uh, I think they need to try and change that up if they're going to sort of do anything in the competition. Like they've obviously with all the players they've signed, they've got some big expectations for this season, but they're not going to go anywhere playing the kind of football they are. All right, fellas. Last game of the weekend. Eels and Dragons. Eels dollar 31, Dragons $2.50, line to the Eels 10. And the total points is 39 and a half. Uh, Ryan Madison comes back for the Eels and Cody Ramsey is dropped. Um, and Jaden Sewer is out suspended. This is this is an interesting one. I, the Eels of the Eels of the season's past would often follow up a really good big win against the top side and then have a big letdown the week after. So I can definitely see some value in the Dragons here. But I'm not sure I have the balls to bet it. What do you guys think? Mate, I'm, I'm with you there. I um, I think the Eels might get it done, but I think it's just too... I, I could see the Dragons sneaking this one as well. I'm, I'm staying away. Um, both these teams have been terrible defensively. Eels have conceded the third most points and Dragons have leaked the second most points um, to start the season. So could be lots of points here. Um, yeah, I think the Eels need to back it up after that really important win for them last week I just don't know if I have the confidence that they will Hamish? I'm, yeah I'm with you both I, I look at the game and I, I don't see too many scenarios where the Eels don't win uh, but I just look at the, the the odds and I don't really actually see any benefit to it so I'm definitely uh, staying away from this one I, I can't see any scenario where you can make money on this. I think that's a good stay away for all of us There's, I don't, yeah, I want... I, look with that said like there's not really enough to value there to sort of say um, that the Eels are going to win because there's what the odds the odds just aren't really it doesn't really add up. I've chucked them mm. in my favourites multi just to add a little bit of extra value, but uh, I definitely didn't see enough value just to go out there and put something on the Eels on the standalone bet. I think if um, we were talking, we all mentioned it earlier. If we're talking about them as a top three side, these are the games they have to win. Certainly, that- yeah. Um, you mentioned the Eels of old would back up a really good win with a not-so-good loss. Um, these, these are the ones that they need to win. Um, so this might be a bit of a bit of a marker to see what kind of Eels team we've got this year. Definitely. All right, it's time for uh, Lock of the Week. I think uh, looking at our bets, Stu, and I'll, I'll let you join in, Ham, if you, if you uh, feel so inclined, but I think... Looking at our bets that I got on paper here, we both like the Storm to win decently against the Dogs. Alternatively, I'm trying to think what else we like. Maybe a Sharks close win is the only other thing I can think of. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm there with the Storm in particular. I think we've both taken an alternative line on uh, the Storm. You've taken them at 12.5 and, and I've taken them at 10.5. I think it's a bit... I, I was just being a little bit more risk adverse uh, there. It's probably smart. Um just um, just because I don't, I still don't have a full read on the Bulldogs. Um, 
defensively. I don't think Bulldogs are going to score many points, but I don't know how gritty they're going to be in defense and whether they'll keep the storm low in scoring. What do you think, Ham? Can you get there with us for that storm line, or do you have a different... Look, if taking those alternate lines, um, 10.5 is a bit of a different ball game. That's only two converted tries. 14.5, obviously, you're looking at three tries at least. So um, I think you said 12.5, Jordan, so you're just right on the border. I'm, uh, I'm thinking I, uh, converted two converted tries and a penalty goal or a field goal. goal. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I like that one, but the, the Knights-Sharks uh, game, I, just, I think it's going to be real close and too hard to pick, so I, I can't get there with you on that. Yeah, fair enough. So we'll go the FGP lock of the week is going to be, what What should we say? Should we say it? Should we alter it to in the middle, 11 and a half? I don't know if we could get 11 and a half. I like, because I, I was looking at the 11 and a half, I was thinking two, two converted tries is good, but I, I personally, I'm there for the 10 and a half points. I think it's a bit safer. If we're, if we're locking it in, I think Look, we'll that's, say 10 that's and a half. I won't, I won't change my bet. I'll just leave mine at at 12 and a half I'll keep that there but we'll say the lock is the storm to win by at least 10 points if you if you like Jordan and you've got a little bit of ground to make up you can take the you can take the better odds at 12 and a half (laughs) (laughs) I definitely have some ground to make up you're already uh 11 11 11.4 units in front of me for the year so I've got a I've got a bit of ground to make up both in betting and in fantasy so uh there's a long season As, as we said last week it's a it's not a sprint it's a marathon but uh, that, I think that'll do us for, for today, boys. Good chats. Um, hope everyone enjoys their weekend of footy and uh, I think we'll, we'll catch you next week. Thanks, boys. <laughs> <laughs>